The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I thought about busting out some bagpipes for the intro music on today's show, but I can't do that to you, Coach, because I know you're feeling it already. It's Fantasy NBA Today. It's Thursday. I'm Dan Bespris. We're joined, of course, by Coach at Joe Sarvati on Twitter. Morning, the death of Team USA. You hanging in there okay? You doing all right? I, you know what? They had to get the paddles out, Dan, and, and shock <laughs> me back. Clear. But, but they did clear. They got the heart going again. And yes, I'm here to tell the tale, sir. All right. So what happened? Before we even dive into the fantasy stuff, before we even dive into the DFS stuff, before we get into anything else, I haven't even really truly introduced the show. What happened, man? It was 4 a.m., I think, when all this stuff was going down on my side of the country. So I, all I saw was the news when I woke up. Well, you know, it, it was one of those scenarios that really was building. We've, you know, you and I have talked about it the last three or four weeks on the shows. And, you know, it, it just it started out with obviously the whole aspect of all the players dropping out of the pool for Team USA. So, you know, just trying to look at the whole thing of what went wrong. And so we're, you know, we're down to a certain amount of players before we break camp. And then we have a couple drop out at the end. We have a couple injured. And and it just, there was not a sense of urgency as, you know, you could see in the USA where we didn't even have it on television. And it just was, you know, the team didn't look inspired, which was extremely disappointing because Pops, the coach, and to me, when you, you put the red, white, and blue on, that's everything. And, you know, it's just the group that went over there for whatever the reason, whatever the mix, from the loss to Australia in the exhibition game to just, you know, I, I watched every game that we played, and we just didn't have a sense of urgency. It didn't look like we wanted it nearly as much as the other teams. And that that's the disappointing part, you know? Yeah, and... um Rudy Gobert, almost, it seemed like, from what I've been reading, single-handedly kept USA from getting a single easy bucket. Like, they, they just had no answer. Well, you know, and we touched on this last week. You know, we mentioned France as being one of the teams. It was definitely the team I was afraid of because of Gobert because our weakness is at the center spot. But I assumed, you know, Pop's been playing small ball throughout this tournament and been able to get away with it with three guards and two forwards, sometimes four guards and a forward on the floor. And just sheerly out of ability, we've been able to, you know, squeeze by some teams barely beating Turkey and, and other, you know, things like that. But he didn't, he he did not go with Miles Turner or uh, any of our bigs, you know, uh, Plumlee and, uh, Lopez didn't even play, and so it was it was Miles Turner who was doing a decent job, and then he went small ball the rest of the way, and we were dead. They dominated the boards. Uh, Gobert had 21 points, 16 rebounds, and four blocks, and just totally dominated the middle. But there were times, Dan, where I, I just couldn't believe it. You know, there there were stretches where it was Harrison Barnes guarding him. Joe Harris was guarding Rudy Gobert, uh, Marcus Smart. I mean, it, it didn't make any sense. I didn't understand the rotations. So, you know, the combination of, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but, you know, just bad coaching strategy from possibly the greatest NBA coach ever uh, and just a lack of, of, you know, real urgency from our players uh, it just, you know, you know we, we go down uh, 79, 89, 79, and it, it was just very disappointing to be knocked out, not get a medal, uh, you know, have all NBA guys over there. It's not like we brought, you know, a mixture of college guys or rookies. These are, these are seasoned guys that have been in the league. So it, it's a massive step back. Uh, you know, I, I know I, I'm not a person that, you know, kick a, kick somebody when they're down but you know i 
there were a few comments on on Twitter that were like, well, you know, we gave a good effort, this and that. And and I sort of called those people out because I'm telling you, I watched it and I just I don't like the way the whole process took place from Team USA, from the selection to all the players dropping out, you know, to just the, the, the sheer lack of interest, it seemed, from our players. And it's, you know, it's a game that we're supposed to dominate. And everybody else in the world was up for the games. I mean, they were going crazy, as you know, you know, just on my Twitter alone with basketball, uh, all the people from Serbia and Australia and France and Kenya, we've had tons of people just from different parts of the world that are interested in this. And I guess, you know, we took it for granted. So I have a couple of follow-up questions. The first one is, from what and you and I have talked about the weird scheduling aspect of this with the Olympics coming up next year. What I've been reading, I did a little bit more digging on that front. It seems like FIBA did this on purpose to try to handicap the U.S. a little bit. I, I believe that for sure, and and I that's what you know. I've been barking about that the whole whole time. But he, he, I've got two points with that. Yes. Yeah, as we stated for the listeners who hadn't listened to the other shows, it was always two years separate from the Olympics so that we could, you know, I can understand a player that's planning on playing in the Olympics, like a LeBron, okay? LeBron, you know, he's 36, whatever. He's, you know, he can't play all this summer, then all that season, then all next summer, then all the following season. That's not reasonable. But so FIBA did change that, I think, just, to discourage some of our guys from playing. But here's my point. All the other NBA guys playing for those other countries, they're playing. You know, True. you saw all the you know, you saw all the guys from Australia, Spain, France, all these guys are NBA players and they're out there playing their ass off and, and representing their countries. And they're not, you know, so I I don't I think that's a little bit of an excuse now. And the other thing that bothers me is that decision Team USA, Colangelo, Coach K, all the guys that are running it behind the scenes, they knew that this was coming. So how can you run a camp and and all of a sudden, 10 days before they're to leave for China, you move Fox and Bagley up, for example, and say, okay, now we want you guys part of the team. And they're like, holy crap, we're not – they weren't prepared really for that commitment. They didn't see it coming. So I, I blame – everything from day one on the organizational part of getting this team organized in this year off time. They should have been straight with players, discussed that early on and had a better plan going in. But that's, that's, that's one, the one part of the question, but the other, the other answer that is, I'm just shocked at watching. I mean, what I watched every exhibition and every game. And I just, I thought the coaching was off base and the player's effort was off base. It just, that that's the part that bothers me is, you know, I mean, here we are on September 11th, everybody, you know, remembrance and proud and flag and, and you know, and to, to go out there and just, you know, give a half effort, just, it just didn't seem real to me. I was shocked. I mean, can, can Kemba, it be fixed? I love Kemba Walker, but I mean, t- two for nine from the field tonight, 0 for 4 from 3, lackluster, a bunch of turnovers. I mean, how does that happen, Dan? Well, on the from a game standpoint, I, I don't know because I didn't I didn't watch it, so I can't speak to it. I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with, with continuity, and, you know, he is a bit of an outside gunner. Um, but what about I, I wanna stay I wanna stay more, I think, on the stuff that's gonna drive the the sort of international discussion, which is is this is this loss going to serve as a similar wake-up call to the one we saw 15 years ago, or do you think with the proximity of the Olympics, if they leave it that way, is this just how it's going to be? Like, do you think this is going to make Team USA care more going forward and, and send better players, or are they just going to have to find a way to win using their decent to solid NBA players? And and it's not going to be the superstars to, you know... A, t- a dream team, so to speak. Like, how does how does this evolve going forward? You know, I I don't see the outcry anywhere near what it was before, and it should be. I mean, we we had a fifty eight game winning streak internationally that was snapped. Uh, 
But I don't see see the outcry. I don't see Twitter blowing up with, you know, guys wanting to represent. Like, I remember that when it happened before. And there was like, okay, let's let's pull this together. And, and you know, we're not going to la- allow us to be embarrassed again out there. I don't see that at all. I mm. think what's going to come out of this, this, and again, this is just conjecture, but from, from my, in my opinion, I think you're going to see the NBA guys strictly focus on the Olympics. I think that's going to be the, the carrot that people want to, you know, the, the LeBrons and Kobe's and all those guys in the world want to have a world championship and have an Olympic gold. And it's sort of the measure of the Bill Russells and the guys through the years, you know, do you have one of all the big things? And I think now that FIBA's made this ridiculous move to make it the year before, I think you're just going to see this be approached completely different from the USA side. I think you're going to see, hmm. and I and I might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I think you're going to see like a a U23 or 22 team, like all rookies coming into the NBA or top college standouts or those kind of guys representing us in FIBA, and then the big fellas do, uh, you know, playing for the Olympics. That that's my best guess because I don't see anywhere near the uh, distress that I expected or, and maybe we'll see it down the road, but I don't see it. I don't really think that, you know, the United States seem to care that much about this FIBA championship. And I, I really don't think uh, the NBA players are feeling the sting like they should be. Can anything be done to incentivize players to go? No. Um, it's strictly a pride thing. I mean, it's, you know, hmm. right now with the contracts and, you know, I think teams, if anything, are happy when players choose not to go, to be honest with you at this point, because they want to protect their investment Want would rather have them here working out and hmm. doing their thing. And uh, no, there, there's really nothing other than pride putting on the red, white and blue and and, uh, you know, a lot of us would kill for just one opportunity to do that. And, uh, you know, it's a shame that it's taken for granted by so many of those players that, that, uh, don't want to get involved, but you know, I, I don't see it. I don't see an answer. Hmm. All right. Fair enough. Well, officially now folks, welcome to fantasy NBA today, your Thursday edition of the pod, Dan Vespris coach, Joe Sarvati. This show, as always, brought to you by our good buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. You ought to go check out their Twitter feed again. H.I. Kona Coffee. You can see that <laughs> they got a twinned Pete that uh, twinned a pinned tweet. It's hard to say five say times. Say that fast. again, sir. I know. I, I called it a twinned <laughs> Pete at first. A, twi- a, a pinned tweet. I'm going to slow that one down. There you uh, go. That appears to be a delightful breakfast that I think would go well with a bag. Don't get a cup. Get a bag of Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company goodies. HawaiianIsles.com, I-S-L-E-S, or search for Hawaiian Isles on Amazon.com. So what we're going to do now is we're going to uh, give Coach a brief respite. He'll be back here momentarily to talk DFS today. But I wanted to slip in some fantasy draft analysis right in the middle of the podcast. And I also wanted to make sure that folks remember to check out our buddies at mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag running this outstanding deposit match promo right now. The promo code is TODAY. T-O-D-A-Y. Obviously, I would love it if you used it today. You don't have to. You could use it tomorrow. But the promo code TOMORROW is still the word today, T-O-D-A-Y. MyBookie.ag is the website. You play, you win, you get paid. Move your money over. Take whatever hundreds of dollars you got at other online gambling sites and move them to MyBookie and get that deposit match. Make sure, again, you use the promo code today when you're opening up your new account. You got to have it in there as you're opening the account and making that initial deposit. That's the way that they can know that they need to deposit match you up to $1,000. They're fantastic. They have perfected the online book, and that's why you should move your money over to that one. And plus, listen, if you're not betting anywhere, it's it's fast and easy. That's the easy part there. If you're already doing it, well, then it's a real no-brainer. Like, if you're already betting at another online book, you got to switch over to mybookie.ag. 
If you're the kind of guy or gal that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you could also try things like parlays. You can play uh, NFL fantasy overs and unders, totals, mid-game at my bookie. You can go uh, second-half wagering. It's the smart thing. Do it now. Bet with my bookie. Yesterday, we left off at pick 73 in our uh, nine-category industry mock. And again, this is a mock draft, so there's going to be little things that maybe don't perfectly parallel what you might see when there's money on the line. I think that there are teams, and I've done it. Lord knows I've done it. In these industry mocks, though, I think there's a certain measure of pride with building a strong team because you know it's going to get broken down by fellow industry pros on their own websites, on their podcasts, like we're doing right now. So you always want to make sure you look good. So there isn't a ton of that what I'm talking about where you sort of, the looky-loo, you, you kind of look the other way and you let other people take the guys you're targeting just to see where they go. I think people are doing, they treat these industry mocks a little bit more like the real thing. It's not spot on because, you know, this is a week-long slow draft and obviously you're going to walk away. And I think I ended up with uh, Boogie at some point when I, I I forgot to turn off my auto pick. It was the 10th round, but obviously you don't want him in any round. Uh, and things like that will happen in a mock that wouldn't happen in the real thing. But overall, I think this is a pretty good representation of where these folks want these guys, where different websites might find these guys, and we'll dig a little bit deeper into that uh, probably towards the, the last show of the week. That'll be tomorrow with Adrian Benjamins. I think we'll uh, look a little bit more on a site-by-site basis. So right now, I want to dive into uh, picks 73 through 96. We're actually going to get up around the 100 mark, finally, in one of our weekly breakdowns. And then we're going to bring Coach back in to talk about uh, today, today's episode of DFS Today, Thursdays. This is week three, their third episode coming out. there, And I, I'm going to ask Coach about this a little bit, but I'm fairly certain that they've, they've got a week, uh, week three episode. They've got a week four episode next week, a week five episode the following week, which would be... Uh, the 26th, and then I think on October 1st or 2nd, they go to a daily format because then suddenly you actually have DFS lines. Not lines. I I get the lingo wrong because I'm not a DFS guy. You have DFS cards to build. I'm a betting guy. I say there are lines to bet into, and DFS folks, they say things like rake and card and lineup and stuff like that. I'm just, you know... I'm an old man who bets with a big briefcase at the Vegas counters. That's not true. It's a big briefcase filled with IOUs like the one from Dumb and Dumber. Uh, number 73, first pick of this one, Al Horford. Listen, I, I call guys out when I don't like a couple of their picks, and there were a few for this guy that I didn't like. Actually, really just one that I didn't like earlier in the draft. But lately, nice work, man. This is the fellow who had the first pick overall. And he's had some really nice selections, really safe, strong guys. Had Malcolm Brogdon, you may recall, to finish off yesterday's podcast and starts this one with Al Horford at 73. That's an easy, no-brainer of a pick. And I don't think we need to go into a whole lot of analysis on it, if only because I don't know that anybody would ever argue with me on this point. Like, who's going to argue that Al Horford's not an easy pick to make at 73? He's always in the mix, for top 50 value. He was well beyond that mark last year. He was number 29 in 9-cat on a per-game basis, and his role, while maybe a little bit less centery and a little bit more power-forward-y, is going to be fairly safe because he doesn't need to shoot to be effective anyway. So even if you see a little bit of a dip, one round, two rounds, that's still 50-something, and this is still, as I just mentioned, pick number 73. Marcus Smart at number 74. I like this pick. Uh, Smart was quietly a fairly solid fantasy player last year. Kind of a steals specialist when it broke right down to it. He averaged 1.8 steals per game in 27 and a half minutes per ball game. I think the minutes stay pretty much the same. Maybe they tick up by one or two at the most. But what you will see happen is the volume's going to go up. It has to. Too many guys left that team. I know that there's the this assumption that Gordon Hayward's going to do more, and I think he will, uh, and maybe Jalen Brown does more, and he probably will too. But Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, Kyrie Irving, Aaron Baines, all of these guys are gone. That's a lot of guys gone. Not as many guys coming in. And Marcus Smart is going to be a little bit of a team leader 
for this Boston Celtics team. So expect him to take more than seven shots per game, even if it's just a, a, a middling increase, even if it's just like a shot, a shot and a half, being out on the floor for another minute or two. All these little things add up to a guy that can move from number 85 to number 65 very quickly. And so I like that pick there. He's also, uh, he was very durable last year, which was surprising for someone that plays as hard as he does. So I, I like him. Uh, I'd love it if you could get him around later. Uh, we haven't covered him much because we haven't gotten this deep into the mock drafts to this point, but his ADP is 88. So presumably you could probably wait a tiny bit longer. And I think I would. But again, we are in no man's land now. So if that's the guy you're targeting, that's the guy you go get. I just, because he's not exciting, I think that you could probably sit on it and he probably comes back to you, but maybe not if you're the second pick in this round because, you know, that makes you the penultimate selection in the following one. Kelly Oubre Jr. at 75, a player with some decent upside there. I'm cool with him going towards the beginning of no man's land. Gordon Hayward at 76. Uh, same general thought process there for me. Marvin Bagley at 77, Ricky Rubio at 78. I like all of these picks as you get into no man's land. There's no reason to wait around. These are guys that to me are among the safer plays once you pass the 75 mark. So go get them. Aaron Gordon at 79. He's finally going where he probably should have been going all along. A couple of notes on the guys we just passed. Marvin Bagley's ADP is 74. So this is very close to where he's been going. Ricky Rubio's is 80, so this is very close to where he's been going. Uh, Gordon Hayward is 82, so also very close. So this is this is right for these guys. Those are seventh rounders. You can try to, to get cute and wait around, but things take a little bit of a turn once you get kind of towards the middle end of round eight. That's where you start to really get into the pick-and-choose kind of guys. Aaron Gordon at 79, I don't have a a massive problem with. He wasn't great last year. He was number 96 on a per-game basis, but his opportunities to get guys who can score late in a draft are are few and far between. He's not late here. This is still earlier than I would take Aaron Gordon. The problem with a guy like AG is he was so far behind where he was drafted last year, you almost couldn't adjust enough. Like a lot of guys, you draft him in one place, they're like two rounds lower, and then there's an opportunity for a little bit of bounce back. He was so far behind this that even with this big adjustment down, there still is room. So uh, I'm fine with it at 79. I mean, it, you know, he's not going to be any worse than last year. The hope is that maybe he can get that uh, that field goal percent back up a little bit, but he's uh, a little bit of a dicey play. We've seen him go on these intense hot stretches, and obviously with head-to-head, you get a little bit of a bump, because his weaknesses do fall in the percentages department. Hassan Whiteside at number 80. Hassan Whiteside is a polarizing figure in fantasy sports. His ADP is 70, but we've seen him go everywhere from about 65 to 85. If you believe his free throw percent is coming back, then this is an easy pick to make, because he could be a top 40 guy, especially in the long stretch here before Yusuf Nurkic comes back. I don't think Portland is going to play Whiteside alongside Zach Collins. I know we've been hearing that that might happen. That feels like a disaster in the making. He's going to put up nice numbers in whatever minutes he's on the floor, but if he takes three or four free throws a game, he's going to kill you. And I just can't do it. I can't risk it unless I'm in a massive punt build, and you know me with that stuff. Derek White at number 81. I'm a little bit scared of the point guard situation in San Antonio. We saw, we're actually going to see DeJounte Murray go four picks later in this mock draft, so we'll get there in a second. Uh, But White at 81, Murray at 85. I'm probably dodging both of those guys. And I'll admit, I might end up being wrong on one or both. But it's just not a risk I'm willing to take. Because at this point, there are still guys that are going to be playing 30 minutes a game available. And those are the guys that I want. Where these guys could end up in a god-awful timeshare. I hope they don't. Greg Popovich seems like a smart enough coach to know to figure out a way to get them on the floor together and each get 28-ish minutes or so. Uh, but San Antonio's healthy to start the year, and they weren't at all last season, really. So I'm a little bit afraid of that. John Morant at 82. You guys know how I feel about rookies, so I'm just not even going to talk about this one because you shouldn't listen to what I have to say. 
And Larry Nance Jr. at number 83. This was, uh, this was actually my selection in this round. The only name that I'm bringing up is my own. Some people are killing me for Larry Nance, and I'm okay with that. I'm willing to take this risk because in looking at the way his season broke down last year, Larry Nance Jr. was number 54 in 27 minutes a game. I know that he's not what you'd call a perfect fit in the new Cavs offense or whatever you want to call uh, what's set to go on out there, but he's going to be on the floor. Sorry, you know, Tristan Thompson is not a better fit. <laughs> uh, neither is Ante Zizic, so he'll be out there. Larry Nance Jr. is going to be out there. Uh, he's getting paid, and he's going to get and he's going to play. And so even if there's a tiny step back, you're still talking about a guy that was, again, when he was on the floor, number 54 last year. That's crazy high, and I think it'll blow everybody away because a glance at his numbers doesn't look all that impressive. But half a, half a three-pointer, eight boards, three assists from the center spot is solid. 2.1 combined defensive stats, 52% of the field, and very few turnovers. That's a good line. And he's not really killing you. He's a 72% foul shooter, which isn't good, but he's only taken two a game, and it's not that bad either. So I'm totally happy to get him at this point in a draft. This is the end of the seventh round. We're into the 80s now in picks. Uh, Montrez Harrell went right behind Larry Nance, also a guy that I considered at this point. He was number 71 last year. Um, Obviously, his numbers are going to be more impressive looking than Larry Nance, and his role is probably a little safer, but also he's a terrible foul shooter. Now, he's 60-some-odd percent, and he gets there five times a game. I don't think that's going anywhere, and I don't care if he adds a three-pointer. That's just not that's just not enough for me with the way I build my teams. I love Montrez Harrell. He's just... I, I'm trying to dodge these big free-throw killers as much as I can unless they're doing something so great in a couple other departments that it outweighs it. And for Montrez, it's close. Good blocks, very good field goal percent. But the other stuff is... Fine, if unspectacular. Eighth round. Starts with DeJounte Murray. We already talked about him a second ago, so we'll just pivot right along to 86, and that's DeLon Wright, uh, who I took here. I was actually... uh, I thought I was going to wait and try to grab him around later, but this is what happens when you set uh, some auto-draft stuff going and then guys disappear. Um, DeLon, his ADP is 99, so this is a bit earlier than I intended to take him. And listen, I'll knock myself, too. He probably isn't getting back to me at pick 107, but I think there were a couple of guys that I was glancing at that I might have reshuffled my deck here. Still, it's fine. You know, you're in a no-man's land. You think that he's going to have an okay season. And at this point, it's hard to find kind of a well-rounded point guardy type. So I'm not upset with it. Um I just, in general, I think I'd probably target him towards the end of this round. Serge Ibaka at 87. Uh, I, I'm, I've got a mixed bag on Serge. He ended up having a really nice season last year as he moved closer to the rim again. Shot 53% from the field, over 50 for the first time since the 2013-14 season. Free throw number was low for him, which could actually bounce back. Only took 2.3 threes. That's been a, a big reason why his field goal percent improved. The blocks were decent at 1.4, 15 points, 8 rebounds. I mean, he looked a little bit more like his old self last season. The question is, do we think this can hold? He was number 61 over 74 games in 9-cat last year. They do have a center they trust more in Marcus Gasol than they did in Jonas Valanciunas. Will Serge Ibaka see any minutes at the 4? I think the answer is probably a few, but 27 minutes might be a little higher than what he's expected to get this year. And so... All of that, you roll together, and you've got a a decent pick at this point because he's safe and quiet, but I don't think there's much in the way of upside. Whereas there are a couple guys later in this round even that I think you could grab and say, hey, you know what, maybe things break right for them. Uh, Miles Bridges in Charlotte, he goes off the board next at 88. I'm okay with that one as well. He should, uh, should have some time on the floor, I would think, this year as they presumably go young, and his ADP is 87, so this is where he's going anyway. Steven Adams at 89. I know I said I hate the free throw issue, guys, but between Montrez Harrell and Steven Adams, I'll take Steven Adams. And it's it's close, but it's not that close. Steven's going to play a ton. He's unbelievably durable. I feel like you could just snap an arm off and he'd be back in a game. 
averaged 14 and almost 10 last year with two and a half defensive stats on 60% from the field. Chris Paul is going to be lobbing him stuff, so he's still going to get open looks that way. And no one's stealing his rebounds anymore. This could be a massive year for Steven Adams. And I think if you've built a team with really, really, really good foul shooters, that's the guy you take a chance on at this point in the draft. You say, Steven, you were number 78 last year, largely because you couldn't hit a free throw. That's probably not going to stay the same. But if those 14 points and 9.5 rebounds become 14 and 11, 1.5 rebounds a game, 120 rebounds over the course of the year, that's a big deal. That's the kind of thing that jumps you around at this point in the draft. So I really like the Steven Adams pick. I think he could have a nice season. Uh, And at this point, that's a really reasonable spot to get him. Gary Harris at number 90. Uh, I've gotten into arguments with a couple of my co-hosts here on the show about Gary Harris. Uh, He's a totally reasonable risk to take at this point because there's a ton of upside, but also a potentially very deep floor. He started to look like himself in the playoffs last year, which is, I think, a really nice sign. He didn't look like himself at all during the regular season. And in Roto, I say make this move uh, 10 times out of 10. Because he's been a top 40 guy in his NBA career. In head-to-head, I don't think I can make that play. Because Gary Harris has cleared 70 games in his NBA career only one time in five seasons. The other four, 55, 57, 67, where by all accounts this was a healthy year, and 57 this last year. And he was 57 and he was hurt for a bunch of the other games he played, and that's why the stats were so depressed And now he's got guys like Malik Beasley and Torrey Craig and uh, Monte Morris, these guys in the backcourt are all breathing down his neck. Denver is incredibly deep. Incredibly deep. And Will Barton, if you want to throw them all into that wing bunch. So if anything goes wrong, the wheels could come off pretty quick. Again, he looked better in the playoffs. His free throw percent looked like it was coming back a little bit. Did the field goal percent? I don't even know. So yeah, there's massive upside if he looks like old Gary Harris. I just, I don't know if that's going to happen. And then the injury stuff is the real pisser. So Roto, hell yeah. Take him at 90, head-to-head, 55 games, and who knows when he's going to play. That's too much of a risk. Because you know he's going to miss time somewhere. Jeremy Lamb at 91. This is a guy who should get off to a really nice start and then fizzle a little bit, kind of like in previous years uh, when he was relying on the health of Nick Batum to get playing time. Uh, But again, you take a guy around 100, and if he gives you a couple months of really good play, you just sort of milk that, because who knows when Oladipo's actually going to get up to full strength. Kevon Looney at 92. Um, eh. I mean, I'm fine with it, although there's a couple of centers I think I'd rather have at this point. So... My issue here is that the Warriors just always end up going small. I don't think this is a guy you have to draft at 92. Uh, I think this is a guy that has almost no upside, where the upside is if things break right, he gets like 22 minutes a game and is a top 100 center. He's a plotter, and his ADP is 112. He's not a guy I'm targeting. He's a guy that I would grab like one or two rounds later if I didn't have a second center and I was panicking. Andrew Wiggins at 93. No thanks. There's just, he is who he is. Ennis Cantor at 94. This is one of the centers that I think I'd rather have at this point because we know that in 24 minutes a game, he can do enough to be fantasy productive. Fairly, I mean, you, you have the body of work. He's going to have to play. Celtics need a big man that can do anything at all near the rim. And so if he gets his 20 some odd minutes, he's in business. It's not going to be a ton. It's not going to be 30 minutes a game. He's not going to go New York style, uh, but he's going to be, like Portland or a little bit better. Joe Ingles at 95. I'm good with that. Zach Collins at 96. It's a risk here, but, you know, maybe Tassan Whiteside doesn't pan out, and that's fine. Again, I, there's other guys I'd rather have in the next round, but at this point, you're snatching guys where you hope things pan out for them, and he's one of those dudes where maybe there is an upside he could tap into. I personally don't think it's going to happen, but it doesn't need to be better than 50-50 shot at this point because... You know, you're at the end of the eighth round, start of the ninth, you're a round pick 100. This is where you start to drop a lot of the guys you draft. Simple as that. I just, and we're not going to get to talk about a ton of the guys here in the next couple of rounds, but as I was talking about these two rounds today, I kept saying, well, there's some guys out there that I think 
would be easier to flip onto your fantasy team and take a shot with. Uh, and I'll just rattle them off. Uh, TJ Warren, Tomas Sadoransky, Marcus Gasol, Mikhail Bridges, Nick Batum, JaVale McGee, Jeff Teague, J.J. Redick, Jared Allen went at 108. He should be an easy top 100 guy. Uh, Paul Millsap at 111, even as he diminishes. Uh, Dwight Powell at 117. So there's a lot of guys. I mean, Cody Zeller's there at 120, and to me, he's he's got the same kind of upside as Kevon Looney. P.J. Tucker, Joe Harris in the 120s, Terrence Ross in the 120s. Uh, Kevin Herter, Marcus Morris finally goes off the board in the 120s. Pat Beverly around 130, Rudy Gay's near 130. So there's plenty of names way down the list here. And obviously you don't have to take these guys before those other dudes because you're, you're playing the long game. You're trying to make sure that guys that you're targeting, you get. And the best way to do that is to take the ones first that you think other people might be targeting. But, you know, you still got Kyle Slow-Mo. You still got DeAndre Jordan on the board. I think Kelly Olynyk's going to play a little bit more in Miami this year. Bobby Portis, Jakob Pertl, Kent Bazemore, Marvin Williams. The list goes on and on. There's just guys that I think, you know, if you, it, not all those guys were upside dudes, but there's just plenty of guys left past the 100 mark where, you know, you, you can take your shots where you see fit because there will be options available. There's just other guys I think I'd rather have. And when I was saying that, I thought it was not very nice to say that if I don't give an example or two. All right, that I think is the uh, the extent of where we're going to get on today's breakdown of the industry mock. Again, we'll talk to Adrian tomorrow about, I think we'll break it down from a team standpoint. We'll take a look at what some of these folks are doing uh, and give you an idea maybe of where that means guys might go depending on what websites you guys are reading. This is a big picture item that I think we'd like to explore a little bit more over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I want to keep coach waiting. He's been, he's been sitting there chilling while we powered through a few of these things. So let's get it back going coach. While we've got you here on the show, uh, the big news, forget team USA for a moment. And I know you've completely forgotten about them in the last 30 seconds out of sight, out of mind, right? DFS today. I want to talk about DFS today. Episode three, you guys have coming out, uh, today, Thursday, right? We do. Uh, it will be released uh, hopefully late morning, uh, s- shortly after our NBA Today show comes out. And uh, yeah, we're ex- very, very excited. We've had a great response from the first two shows. Uh, it's it, We're getting a lot of new audience coming in for the DFS side. And a lot of our listeners and hoop ballers are really starting to ask some really good questions about DFS. And, uh, you know, we've We've done some initial discussion, sort of what it's all about, looking at some of the big moves in the offseason in the first two shows. And this uh, this show uh, that, that's going to be on uh, Thursday will be uh, talking about strategy, really looking at how do you attack the uh, you know daily fantasy sports and be profitable in it. Now, you know, there's a lot of players that play, whether you play a little uh, middle size or a lot, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be successful. And it's not, you know, knowing basketball real well alone is not going to win DFS for you. So we're going to talk about uh, on this show, really the overall strategy of playing DFS. Uh, There's really two Two things, and you and I have talked a little bit uh, about it off air because I know you're getting ready to really dip your toes into the I DFS am. world. You, call, you called me a fish, and I, si- I simply can't sit on that. Well, actually, it was a triple fish, so you've got to <laughs> you got to work your way down. There were three different types of fish in that, it, it, but I'm just playing with you. But uh, but they, you know, the, there's a cash game single entry approach that there's a, a full strategy about. We're going to break that out. And then there's a GPP, which are the big entry tournaments. And that's a whole different strategy of looking at ownership and looking at edges there. So we're going to break those two out. Uh, my man, Micah Patrias, uh, plays the GPPs a lot. I do more of the cash and cash games and, and single lineup games. So we're going to mix both of our knowledge together there to, to really put that, begin that strategy for our listeners. So it's, you know, for new people at DFS, it, it's going to be a real, I think, a really important episode to hear. And for those that are already playing, it may spark some new ideas 
uh, you know, going forward. So we'll give you some tools and prep suggestions and all kinds of things uh, as we get closer and closer. And, and we're getting closer to camp's opening. It's only it's like three weeks uh, away, right? Yeah, it's about three and a half weeks. And then right as soon as camp start, you know how it goes. The exhibition games will jump on. And yep. And we want our listeners, you know, our, our big thing is let's let's get these hoop ballers to get a little bankroll. Even you, Dan, we want a little little yeah. cushion bankroll for you early on. That's right. I want my lunch I want my lunches paid for for the next month. That's my it, goal. Get my five dollars a day. <laughs> and and I and I'll tell you, there's you know, let's face it, you know, the the true basketball folks are listening in, but there most people are so distracted with the NFL and everything else going on. Uh, they're they're gonna try to pick up uh, this NBA stuff, you know, right as preseason starting or or you know right before the year starts. So this is gonna give us a big advantage, and there's a lot of money to be won uh, in the preseason. They have DFS, and then that first week or two uh, that we we keep talking about because the the sites don't really get the pricing exactly right early on, and they have to do a lot of adjusting. So, you know, both Mike and I have had a lot of success in the past really being able to build up a nice little bankroll in that first combination of two weeks of preseason and two weeks of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I can equate this, I think, to uh, season-long fantasy because the beginning of the season is this time of feeling things out. It's the magic of small sample size and all that good stuff, and basically... One of the things that I preach is that you have to have just the right amount of patience in your season longly, understanding when someone isn't going to pan out or when you need to wait a little bit longer uh, and how that corresponds to free agents on the waiver wire, who is performing well early and really deserves a pickup versus who maybe doesn't. On the DFS side, those same concepts seemingly apply to you know, who gets off to a fast start can you ride them before they become expensive? Or is it going to be a guy that gets off to a fast start and then cools off? Is it someone that's going to keep getting better with what you guys are doing here? And this is why I want to listen to these, these preseason shows. I want to understand what I'm getting myself into and, and then apply sort of what I know about the NBA and the season long fantasy side to what you guys are saying on how to uh, basically how to account for these price adjustments, how, when to expect them to happen, and how to sort of get out in front of the curve. Uh, these these folks that everybody's calling sleepers on full season, which everybody knows how silly I think that term is, but doesn't it kind of apply to DFS as well? Where if you get ahead of the curve, you can get a, a high scoring guy when no one knows they're coming. You, you know what's what's awesome about that is, and you put it very well. Everything you said is applicable. But it's like on steroids times twenty, because <laughs> and and I'll explain what why I say that is because it DFS is that particular game. So yes, everything you said is is correct. We want to get an edge on those guys that are going to start early, etc. All those things. However, it's that particular game. We don't care. Like if you're high on, uh, let's say, DeLon Wright, because he may be the starting point guard for the Mavs. You say, okay, I love this guy. That doesn't mean you're going to play him even two days in a row in DFS. It's a brand new slate, start from zero every day, and it's a different mentality. So the key factor is, yes, okay, we check the box on the things that you said that are applicable, which I agree with, on a DeLon Wright. However, let's see, who are they playing? Because Who's what's the defensive uh, point guard that's going to play him? Where does he rank? What's the pace of play in that one particular game? You know, what are they coming off a, a back-to-back game? You know, there's those things that apply just strictly to that 48-minute hmm. game. So again, that's it's like you're how you're looking at the beginning of your year-long leagues, and then multiply that by. 10,000 to see, okay, how am I squishing that down to this 48-minute game to get the best results that I can? We certainly would be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that Hoop Ball's DFS Today show, which, by the way, I have more things that I want to add on this, uh, is brought to you by Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft, Coach, have you been uh, getting yourself all ready to go over there for NBA season? I bet you have. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. And and I I'm ecstatic. They do the guys over there are fantastic. They're so easy to work with. They really are customer uh, based. And and what they've done with rake free is is changing the entire industry. I mean they, you know, you uh, get a membership there for your games, which is very inexpensive depending on how much you pay or right. play. And then your everything is rake free. So. If if I play a hundred dollar game directly against somebody else and I win, I get two hundred dollars. The other sites, there's there's a rake involved, and those rakes add up a lot. So that's what really Fantasy Draft stands out completely different. And that I, I want to mention are uh, if you go to fantasydraft.com and you put in the promo code hoopball, all one word. We eliminated the dash because it caused confusion. Oh. So it, it's, yes, that's the new thing. It's just all one word hoop ball. Then you get a one week free membership where you can play up to $1,000 in that seven days of free contests with no rake, no fees, no membership, no credit cards, none of that kind of stuff. It's just you, you put that in, you connect. Put your email, boom, you get you get the free rate games. You, you know why I like this concept, Coach, is because I'm a gambling man. And I know that the word rake is the, the thing they use for DFS, but in my head, all I'm hearing when you talk about rake is the VIG. That's basically what that is, is you're paying mm-hmm. a premium to play in a contest hosted by someone else. That's what that's what that is. That's what betting in Vegas is. You pay the extra ten bucks because the sports book is hosting your wager. Right. And, yeah. and, and and let me ask you this. Have you ever heard the house not being a winner? So, I mean, yes, the casinos, when you if you play poker, you know, whatever, wherever there's a rake, that's where they're making. You know, they're getting that guaranteed money all the time because yeah, they don't care who wins. They don't care which side they wins. They don't care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's why that's, that's why this is so that's why this that's is right. so revolutionary. Exactly. And yeah. I think it is going to change the industry. And you're going to you're seeing some of that. On some of the other sites, they're offering a few contests here and there, but nothing to the the level of fantasy draft. So, yes, I I am getting ready for that. I'm excited for them. Uh, Definitely take advantage of that hoopball promo code, you know, because that's a full week. And uh, if you want to dive in, even if you're football, whatever you are, you know, it goes to any sport, not just basketball. Mm, I love it. All right, Coach, the uh, the plan for DFS today, you've got uh, this one coming out this week, and then what is it? I think you've got two more weekly shows before you guys start to ramp up in quantity. Is that how that works? Because at that point, you'll have actual games to talk about? Well, we have uh, this one, and then, yes, and then two more after that where we'll go into, again, a little bit more strategy, and, and then we're going to start actually uh, breaking out those players and teams, you know, that we think are going to have that early edge. So you're going to want to definitely, you know, uh, let me, let me tell you this too. The information we're going over in these DFS podcasts, generally you have to are behind the paywall with a lot of our competitors out there in the DFS world. You're paying a membership and then you're getting this information and sharing that info and this all this content is free content we just want to you know please get on there give us five stars likes thumbs up you know support fantasy draft we want to continue to bring this free content forward with picks and strategies that are going to make you a lot of money so we will go over those in the next two shows and then we're going to transition right into the preseason into games into contests where we'll start uh, get you know getting out there and and we're going to discuss all of our picks and fades and pivots and all the other things that go on in DFS when you're making your choices and we're going to start the show the next day when we get into the preseason and discuss you know take ownership in our in what we're recommending you know where what was a good pick what wasn't as good why you know let's look at that pattern or what we're going to do in the next game so we can learn from it so we're going to you know it's it's going to be fresh uh to the industry no one else is doing a show like this out there so you know i'm extremely excited i appreciate you dan for pushing all the levers and doing all the hard work behind the scenes 
to get this all out there and given Mike and I the the uh, opportunity to to get this audience going and and uh, you know it's going to be a fun season. Well, I'm just glad that I'm not on the hook to ask smart questions of Mike about DFS because I never knew what the right question was. So this is a, a large burden off of my plate uh, on top on top of all the other reasons to be excited about it, folks. Um, so many ways that you can find this show. It is the Hoop Ball NBA DFS Today podcast. I can find it really fast uh, if you're not on Twitter by just Google searching DFS Today Hoop Ball iTunes. Boom. First result with that search. You can also find it by following at Hoop Ball Fantasy on Twitter, at Joe Sarvati, at Mike Apatria. That's A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Your last name is S-A-R-V-A-D-I. Uh, coach, I guess, we'll, uh, we'll just leave people with go listen to the damn show. Sorry about Team USA, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great, man. Thanks for having me on, and we will look forward to talking to everybody on Thursday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Check it out. DFS Today, uh, available everywhere. Podcasts can be found. Uh, Thanks for listening, folks. Team USA, Industry Mock, Breakdown, DFS Today, Prep Show. There's a lot going on on this Thursday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. And, of course, I will remind everyone at the end of the show, if you enjoy what you're hearing, I know there's a lot of you that are checking us out for the first time here as we ramp up towards the start of the NBA season, please do drop a five-star review on us over at iTunes. You can do it with the podcast app on your Apple mobile device. You just search for the show. Use the search feature on the podcast app. Click on the name of the show. It'll take you to the show page. You scroll down, and that's where the rate and review button is. Or you can just go to the iTunes page on your computer. Click on the button to open it in iTunes. That'll boot up the software. Uh, and then there's a little rate and review button right there. That one's uh, that one's really fast to find, actually. But who the hell uses a computer anymore? Yeah, besides me, <laughs> to record a podcast. Uh, if you do, it'll take you maybe 45 seconds to do the whole thing. If you're on your phone, it might take you more like 90 seconds. And if you want to write something nice, we'd love you forever. Also, Hoopball Leagues, rumble along. Another three or four requests coming in yesterday, so we'll just keep them open. They will all fill up. And with, if or when they do, we'll open up another one. We've got about three weeks before we start the drafts in those Hoopball Leagues. we got Roto head-to-head. $50 leagues, we got free leagues as well. Would love to see all of you join us in those. Again, best way to do that is to find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N, I can spell my own name, D-A-N, B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, B as in boy, R-I-S as in Sam. There was a time that I learned the military call sign for that, and, and then people thought I was in the military. I was not. I do not have the fortitude for that. Uh, but I believe it's Bravo... Echo Sierra, Bravo Romeo India Sierra. Does that sound right? I think so. Uh, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, he, when I say he, coach at Joe Sarvati, at Mike Apatria, the other host of the DFS Today podcast. Please do check that out. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. Back with Adrian to wrap up the week tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.